Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Locked on Vikings back with you on a Friday. Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels in the house at Sam Ekstrom at Sage Rosenfels 18. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Good morning, Sage. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday to you. The weekend ahead. Vikings football ahead. It's just like a game week. Vikings football on Sunday at noon. Vikings are heading to U.S. Bank Stadium likely as we speak to practice there and as Mike Zimmer said it's basically a field trip he's going to show them where they park show them where their locker room is show them about the game day logistics and get every everybody on the same page today and rumor has it that they'll have the big pivoting doors open to let in some breeze today and see how it affects the playing situation I'm kind of excited to get down there and see uh, see how it feels with all the players on the field see how it looks visually and get this dress rehearsal in for Sunday's game. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing the, uh, the locker room uh, at the new stadium is much better than the old one at the old Metrodome. I mean, the, the old Metrodome home locker room was probably the worst locker room in the NFL for even away teams. Uh, every away stadium you went to probably had a nicer locker room than the home locker room at the old Metrodome. So uh, I'm sure the entire Vikings organization, the players, the coaches, everyone in the front office is excited to finally get into this new stadium, this new state-of-the-art facility uh, after years and years of really having subpar facilities uh, over there at uh, at the Metrodome. Yeah, it's unbelievable. We got a chance to walk through the locker room a few weeks ago. And the cool part is, Sage, is that as the players come out of the locker room, they walk through this alleyway in the Delta Club, they call it, which is right at field level. So they've got fans on both sides of them giving them high fives and shouting encouragement to them as they walk out onto the field. It's, it's right in the center of, of the activity down there. So that's a cool game day feature that uh, a lot of fans will get to enjoy. There are so many cool features like that in this stadium. They uh, did not overlook much. I think Sunday people are going to be really impressed. I think, uh, you know, they sort of stole that from the old the Dallas Cowboys and with their new stadium. But I think the whole thing now with, uh, with what, you know, where stadiums are being built, with social media, all this stuff is getting fans a little bit more access than they had before. And, you know, before the, the old tunnel walk was sort of a sacred thing, but now that the fans can actually see the players, you know, sort of getting hyped up before they walk out in the field. Uh, gives them a little extra access uh, that they never had before. So special for the player and special for the fans. Let's talk briefly about just the home field advantage that the Vikings might experience with Teddy Bridgewater now getting to pass indoors after playing his home games at a, a windy, often cold outdoor college stadium for his first two seasons. Bridgewater has been a very accurate passer in his indoor career thus far. Uh, as a quarterback, Sage, what what does that status quo climate do for a quarterback? Does it enable you to do a lot more things than you would if you had, say, a 15-mile-an-hour breeze? 
Oh, playing indoors is so much better than playing outdoors. I mean, you know, Drew Brees, who has never had a strong arm uh, in his whole career and played the majority of his career in New Orleans indoors, uh, that's that's helped him tremendously. Peyton Manning also, the majority of his career, played indoors. Huge help. Uh, when I played in the Houston Texans, we were indoors. They could open the roof to make it sort of indoor-outdoor, but really, for the most part, it was an indoor stadium. And uh, it's amazing the difference in the way the ball just comes out of your hand. And even if you don't throw a spiral every time, uh, it goes, you know, straight. And if it's windy at all, whether it's downwind or upwind, into the wind, uh, and then that your ball comes unraveled a little bit, uh, it's not going to go where you want it to go. So it's a huge advantage for the quarterback. It's so much easier for quarterbacks or kickers to play indoors. You know, the ball is always uh, doesn't have uh, uh, water on it or mud on it or anything like that. Uh, it's primal conditions to play indoors for a quarterback, and I think it's going to help out Teddy uh, with his passing. It's going to help out with his deep ball, I think, too. I mean, that's been something that he struggled with, supposedly, a little bit in his first couple of years. And, you know, the deep balls are the one that are the most affected by by wind and by, you know, all the different aspects of playing outdoors. Uh, I think it's going to help with his deep ball passing game. Seems like Teddy will be playing on Sunday, so we can probably put that storyline to bed. Adrian Peterson, though, not playing on Sunday, not playing in the preseason, I think probably the appropriate decision. I mean, I looked at his numbers in the preseason. He he hadn't taken a snap in the preseason since 2011, and I, he won two rushing titles since then, so I think Adrian's going to be okay. Yeah, it's all about Rivers' reward, and you know, there is some risk every time the players walk out on the field to get hurt. We saw it last night with Tony Romo. Tony Romo goes out for a series, and sure enough, comes up limp with a low back injury, so uh, there's just no, there's no positive thing really to have an Adrian out there. I mean, other than getting a little bit of uh, reps or playing out on that game surface in the new stadium, but the risk of, of him, you know, getting his knee torn out or hurting his shoulder or, or something like that, just not worth it. And I've said, I've said it many times before, uh, I could care less what Adrian Pearson does in August or even early September. Uh, I care what he does in November, December, and into January. I mean, it would be cheap thrills for sure. I mean, even if you put him out there just to appease the fans, which would be a poor motivation. I mean, even if he goes off for 296 yards again, like he did against San Diego eight seasons ago, it counts for nothing toward the regular season. It counts for nothing toward the record books. So you, you don't play Adrian Peterson, even if you are trying to really kick off this stadium in style. I think everyone made a prudent choice here. Well, and I, there's a similar situation I had when I was playing for the Miami Dolphins in the early 2000s. We had Ricky Williams in his prime, and he had just run for 18 yards the previous season. <clears throat> and Dave Wanstead was was sort of set on always having the starters play at least a series in all the all the preseason games, uh, particularly those three games. And so we'd have Ricky out there, <clears throat> excuse me, and he'd have you know two carries for negative four yards. Uh, and they're like, what's the point of even having them out there? Did it make mm-hmm. any sense to me whatsoever? And I think uh, Mike Simmer is making a, a very, very smart move, an easy, easy decision here to not play AP in this game. So the Vikings play San Diego on Sunday, and we'll, we'll dovetail off a little bit from Vikings and just discuss this odd, strange Joey Bosa controversy that the Chargers are embroiled in right now. Their first-round pick from Ohio State is holding out due to offset language in his contract. And uh, supposedly, the Chargers have pulled their offer off the table because Bosa has now missed so much time and can no longer be a contributor right away. How do you feel about these rookie contract holdouts in general? 
Well, I think one, I, I think I'm going to get on Twitter today and, and, and may get into this conversation, the Joey Bosa conversation. I, I hate the word holdout. Um, holdout is a term that is used for a player who is under contract, who decides he wants more money or wants something changed in the contract and will then hold out of his contract and not report to, say, a mini camp or, or training camp or the season. This is an unsigned player. He has not signed a contract. Uh, he has no uh, allegiance uh, to, to fulfill any sort of contract with the San Diego Chargers. So I sort of want to get that straight. I know it's used all the time by, by it's used by players, it's used by uh, people in, in the front offices, by media, sort of everybody. It's just a, it's a word that's used that I think is incorrect. Uh, and it's, he's an unsigned player. He hasn't signed his contract yet. But anyway, as far as going with the contract, it's interesting. You know, I had a chance to play with Eli Manning during my tour of the NFL and, and you know, Elon, I did discuss one day the San Diego Chargers situation. Obviously he was drafted by the Chargers, didn't want to play for them, uh, told them he wasn't going to play for them. And sure enough, they worked a trade to the New York Giants with, with Phillip Rivers. And, and we got into that conversation and uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, it, there seems to be a, uh, it's sort of well known amongst, you know, the NFL insiders, amongst people who have been around the league, uh, for a long time, I mean, he got advice from uh, people on that uh, co that coaching staff uh, in San Diego at the time, saying, you know, just so you know, when you come here, it's a challenge to work with this front office. The San Diego Chargers have always sort of gone on the cheap, uh, always should try to get the best deal rather than just sort of doing the right thing, doing the the deal that works best for everybody, and uh, they have been burnt many many times, and a lot of players don't want to go there, and you know, the players do go there because they've got a, you know, the great weather at San Diego for crying out loud. Uh, but organization wise, um, it's, it's always been an issue with, uh, uh, an organization that you want to deal with and agents don't like dealing with them. Uh, they just sort of seem to be a pain. Uh, so it's really no surprise that Joey Bosa is going through this. Uh, it seems to me what he is and his agent are asking for, um, isn't much different than what a, a regular third pick of the draft would get. I, I'm sure it does complicate things a little bit, being that two quarterbacks were drafted ahead of him, and usually quarterbacks get a little bit of sweeter deal uh, than you <clears throat> than just your average, you know, defensive end or, or left tackle. Now, Sage, maybe you can explain in layman's terms what is the actual dispute over this quote-unquote offset language. Just for for the common person who may not be familiar. You've signed contracts in your career. You probably understand the logistics of it. What are they arguing about? Well, I never had, I never signed a contract that you know was as complicated one of these. You know, my, my contracts are generally backup quarterback contracts with some incentives to uh, if I started football games. But I think this has a lot to do with guaranteed money offset language. You know, you know, pay. It's it's like signing bonus, but you know, they uh, the Chargers want to pay a lot of that next year rather than this year, um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's like saying uh, to the Chargers, hey, I want to buy season tickets, but I'm going to pay half of my price next year, uh, and, you know, I'll just pay half of it this year. Well, it's, you know, no team would obviously go for that deal. So uh, I think that uh, based off of the first two contracts, Bosa wants the same deal as those first guys have, which is, you know, less, uh, less payment for later. So I don't know all the intricacies of this contract situation, but it seems to me that, what the player's asking for, and, and listen, I understand sometimes players are greedy, sometimes teams are greedy, but it seems like uh, what the player is asking for in this situation uh, is pretty much what the third pick in the draft uh, you know, got last year and has, has sort of had in the, 
in the history since the CBA has been redone and contracts usually aren't very complicated. Uh, it's, I think the player's asking for basically what in uh, the standard over the last few years. Uh, it's too bad for Joey Bosa, too, because I imagine that there are people on both sides of the issue pressuring him to do one thing, and he probably feels super caught in the middle. He just wants to play football. He wants this to be resolved. He doesn't want to get behind, and he's reaching a point now where it's going to be tough for him to contribute his rookie year. So uh, I guess we'll hope San Diego gets that worked out with Joey Bosa, and if he doesn't sign this year, he can re-enter the draft, which would be uh, quite a twist. It's a bad deal for everybody, really. I mean, San Diego loses their third pick in the draft, which is obviously an extremely valuable, you know, pick, and they're hoping a guy that can be, you know, sort of a, one of the faces of that franchise for the next 10 to 12 years. And and on top of it, you know, Bosa is going to be one year older next year. He's also going to be one year removed from that second contract. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times these players play for four years and then get that huge contract extension after the fourth year with one year left on his contract. Well, now that's going to be pushed back one more year. Uh, so, I, you know, that, that's the tough situation in, in Bosa's camp is, you know, if you threaten and, and don't, uh, don't uh, sign this year, you know, will he be redrafted next year at the third pick? You know, probably not. I, I think a lot of teams would be, uh, shy to pick a guy that high uh, who, you know, who refused to sign a contract and just go out there and play football. So uh, my guess is that he's going to probably just give in at some point. They'll come to some sort of happy medium uh, when, when week one comes around or, or early in the season. Uh, he's got to get that deal done because he wants to get that accredited season uh, so he doesn't have that, you know, free agency pushed back one more year. And we're talking, you know, four or five years down the line, but uh, that makes a big difference in NFL careers, which are usually fairly short. It's the Locked On Vikings podcast, Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to check out the new Locked On podcast, Locked On Broncos, Locked On Falcons, Locked On Jets, and plenty more on the Locked On Podcast Network. So yesterday, Mike Zimmer had some nice comments about Alex Boone, the new left guard, called him the alpha dog of the offensive line, which is so appropriate if you've spoken at all to Alex Boone. This is the guy who just already has the media wrapped around his little finger. He's so gregarious, so outgoing. He's the kind of guy who runs off the field with his teammates. He's quoting something from Teledega Nights. Like, he's always talking, always cracking jokes. Who are some alpha dogs that you were around in your playing career, Sage? Uh, well, you know, Jared Allen was sort of like that. Obviously, Jaron had a sort of, I want to say a big mouth, but the guy liked to talk and, you know, not take things too seriously. Um, shoot, over the course of my career. I mean, Eric Winston down in Miami or down in Houston was a very, very smart offensive lineman, but obviously liked to have conversations. And uh, now he's the, the president of the National uh, Football League Players Association. Uh, as far as active players are concerned. So, yeah, you know, a lot of offensive, offensive linemen are usually either very quiet or they're very, you know, very talkative and cerebral, uh, and, but they're almost always, you know, generally fairly smart. Uh, and I think the thing with Alex Boone is uh, his play usually backs it up. He is a big, strong guy, uh, which allows him to have a big, strong personality. And so uh, usually, you know, players don't like the guys who talk a lot, who don't, you know, can't bring it on the field with their play. Uh, he is, he's had a very good career. He's in his, his style of play. He's a very strong guy. He sort of fits into the North Turner, uh, Mike Zimmer style of football, a big, strong offensive lineman, uh, blue collar. Uh, so even though he talks, he's cerebral and, and likes to joke around, I think his play backs it up on the field. And I think he's going to be a very, very important aspect 
uh, to this Vikings offensive line this year. You described two sides of the coin with offensive linemen, the outgoing ones and then the quiet reserved ones. The Vikings had a lot of that quiet reserve type last year. And to to a certain extent, their offensive line coach, Jeff Davidson, last year was in that mold. And Mike Zimmer wanted to get nastier. I think that was the word he used. So he brought in Tony Sperano who is a pit bull out there. He is very vocal, very much like Mike Zimmer in that he's a straight shooter. He's going to be honest with you. He's not afraid to hurt your feelings. And then Alex Boone to become the leader of that line. Those two, I think, are really going to transform the personality of that group and hopefully bring a tenacity that they lacked last season. Yeah, you know, like guys like Joe Berger. I mean, Joe was extremely quiet. Uh, John Sullivan's more of a talker, but not as much as like a guy like Alex Boone. Uh, you know, Phil Lowholt, he that guy would get fired up uh, when when he was playing. But uh, yeah, that you know that offensive line. It's nice to have a nice, healthy mix of guys who are just sort of quiet and do their jobs, and guys who can you know verbally uh, lead the group. And uh, Alex Boone, as I said, is going to be a nice addition to that team. I think it's something that the, the Vikings have been missing the last couple of years when, you know, say they miss a few blocks and not run the football well. Maybe they're they're not doing great in pass protection. That that vocal leader of the offensive line to sort of snap at everybody and, and wake everybody up and, and get everybody back to, to having a high standard for themselves. And uh, I, hopefully uh, hopefully it helps the Vikings this year because that has been the question over the last couple of years. In my opinion, for the Vikings, more than any other position, uh, position group, it's been an offensive line. Our final activity this week on Locked On Vikings, it's a game stage that I have not prepped you for, entitled Name That Game. Here's how it works. <laughs> I am going to list box score stats of yours from games that you played in your playing career. I will get more and more specific with every clue. At any point when you recognize the game I'm referring to, just shout it out and give me the, the result or the team you played or what year it was, whatever you can remember, all right? Are these regular season games? These are regular season games that you participated in. All right. Okay. All right. I can still remember, by the way, like all of my high school teammates' jersey numbers and basketball teammates' jersey numbers and things like that. So sometimes I've got a really good memory, and then sometimes I don't. We'll see how this goes. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll do like a college edition down the road, but this is professional edition. Okay. okay. Okay, game number one. First clue. You went 22 of 35 passing for 290 yards. <sighs> No idea. Okay. Second clue. You threw four touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, Tennessee Titans 2007. That is absolutely correct. And by the way, you played in some crazy football games. This may be being the craziest one. Do you recall Rob Baronis kicking eight field goals against you in this game? Yes, so Rob Baronis, rest in peace. Uh, I'm playing for the Houston Texans, and and we are down. I think it's something like 32 to seven. 32 to seven. Seven. I, th- I think it was even. I thought it was like 32 to five or something. Um, I think going into the fourth quarter, late third quarter, and yeah, and that was probably my the best quarter of my career. I threw four touchdown passes in the fourth quarter, and we came roaring back and hit Andre Davis, uh, old M- Michael Vick's old wide receiver from Virginia Tech, on a a 50-yard strike with about, I think, about 50 seconds left. And I left a little bit too much time for Kerry Collins and his crew, and they, sure enough, marched down the field, and Rob Barone has kicked his eighth field goal 
to to beat us uh, at the end of regulation. So yeah, that was a wild, wild game. Oh, what a gut punch if you were involved. That that would have been tough. Well, the only way we somehow, you know, as I said, you see, I threw three interceptions. I think Matt Shaw probably threw, you know, probably one or two interceptions or, or something. It was a he got hurt. It was a it was a bad game from a turnover standpoint. But the, what kept us in the game was our defense uh, holding uh, holding the Titans to a lot of field goals. Obviously, eight field goals, uh, or else that would have been a you know five touchdown blowout. Uh, but we kept holding the field goals, and we slowly crept back, slowly crept back, and and uh, you know somehow you know, got the lead there with under a minute left. And, and uh, yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a great, great win if somehow we could have held on right at the end of that game. Okay. Game number two, clue number one, Ron Dane was your leading rusher. Oh my God. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay. We will, we no, will continue clue. on clue number two. You led 17, nothing at halftime. I don't know. Keep okay. going. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with um, Oakland Raiders. That is correct. Very impressive. Uh, the Dane train was on fire that day. Yeah, I think he had 120 some yards. Do you remember the year? I think this uh, probably 2000 and uh, maybe 2007. Also, maybe 2008. It was 2007. It was actually the same day that Adrian Peterson broke uh, the all-time or the single-game rushing record, November 4th. And this is my. This was the final clue. You had your career high in carries with seven carries in that game for 19 yards. Well, one of the carries was. Uh, I feel like it was near the end of the first half, or, or some maybe in the middle of the second quarter, and we ran a bootleg to my left, and I decided to run it. I don't know why. Uh, I maybe gained one yard or something, but I got hit, and my helmet came off, and I got uh, sliced right on my forehead. So I always remember this game because I still have a, a nice gash on my forehead that didn't quite heal. Well, the next play is I'm going to the huddle and blood is rushing down my face and I can't even see out of my right eye. Kubiak calls a handoff to Dane from about the 23, 25 yard line. And very luckily he, you know, scoots through and scores a touchdown. I come to the sidelines and end up going into halftime and they try to sort of do one of those, you know, super glue things or whatever they did on my forehead to try to stop the bleeding at halftime and, and uh, came on the second half and had a nice victory. So yeah, that, that was a n nice win for our football team. That's, that's for sure. Oh, going to Oakland is always a lot of fun, uh, whether they're good or whether they're bad, but that was a, obviously a, a nice win for, for my team. Yeah. And the Dane train was, was on fire. <laughs> the game. He had a long breakaway in that game, a 50 or 60 yard or two. Okay. Game number three, Kevin Walter scored a touchdown. No idea. It could have been any, any number of games. We're outscored 22-0 in the fourth quarter. Oh, Baltimore Ravens. That is correct. Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hit Kevin Walter, uh, one of our old good receivers for the Texans in that game. That, that was uh, where we, the first half, first two, three quarters played fairly well, and then the whole sort of, what, how would you say, the, the wheels came off the train <laughs> in the fourth quarter, that the train came off the tracks in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think I ended up throwing four interceptions in that game. Not my not my favorite uh, favorite memory. Uh, uh, I think even Ray Lewis picked you twice. Got one. Picked me twice. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they, and they, he let me know about it too. Oh, so, yeah. Not one of my favorite memories in that game. I, I think my kids got booed as they walked up the stairs to walk out of the stadium. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fi final game. Final game. 
it starts out on a negative note. Trailed twenty-one nothing after one quarter. All right. Clue number two: You won the game. Miami Dolphins versus the Buffalo Bills. That wow. is absolutely right. That's true. A- absolutely wow. right. Um, and I want to say this might have been your first big performance uh, with Gus Farratt starting the game, and then you came in to relieve him, I believe. It's a pretty good memory. Do you know who the head coach was on that team in Miami? Uh, that would be Nick Saban. Nick Saban. You don't Nick say. Saban's, Nick Saban's the head coach. Yeah, we're, we're losing. We're getting killed right off the bat to Buffalo, and uh, Gus got hurt near the end of the third quarter, and we went down, scored a touchdown, uh, a little in, somewhere in the fourth quarter, scored another. Ricky Williams ran for a touchdown. Uh, and then with four seconds left, I hit Chris Chambers on a fade route, the last basically the last play of the game. Uh, for so we're at the point at the time we we're down 23 to three, I think, and and uh, end up somehow coming. Yeah, that was sort of my welcome uh, welcome to the NFL moment, but definitely my uh, I can play in this league uh, and play at a, a fairly high level. And sure enough, at the end of the year, got a got a nice contract offer from the Texans and. Got my first uh, real contract, you would say, at my, my rookie contract. So it's yeah, a big, big game in my in my history. Fun trip down memory lane. We'll have to play that again someday. Imp- I'm impressed. Yeah, next, next time, just pick out the good ones, not the four interception games. <laughs> yeah. Those ones I try to forget. Got to throw you for a little loop there. Crazy how many wild games you were involved in. I mean, I only looked at like a handful. There was something, something about you in the game. It was just cardiac sage in there. I like to keep things interesting. I probably had a little that far than me. I grew up watching a lot of yeah. NFC North games, you know, the black and blue division back then with, you know, the Bears and the Packers and the Vikings and the Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in those days. So I probably grew up watching, I grew up watching, you know, Jim McMahon and Brett Favre and, and, you know, Dante Culpepper playing football. So those guys, those guys did not play it close to the best. That's for sure. Well, Sage, we will break down Sunday's game in detail on Monday morning and we'll have the weekend off. So we'll talk to you on the other side of Vikings Chargers. Sounds good. Talk to you Monday. Talk to you Monday. Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels 18. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. This has been Locked on Vikings. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on Monday. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. By singing dog... Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.